price that we couldn't pay, therefore we owe him our life. God paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. And many times as believers, we get saved and the goal sometimes is to have an abundant life instead of the goal being to please the one who saved us. And this is why it's so difficult sometimes to obey God because our focus is on pleasing us. And it's hard nowadays to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Because non-Christians are shacking, Christians are shacking. Do people know you saved? Here's point number two. I'm going to talk about keys to pleasing the key. So here's key number one if you're taking notes. Remember how bad your life was before Jesus. It was bad. You just don't remember because it's been a while. When we were utterly helpless, watch what it says. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Sometimes we, be, we become like the children of Israel. We get delivered out of bondage, but then we forget. Here's key number two very quickly. Obedience pleases the king. When God's ready to take us to new levels, there are some criteria that go with that. You can't live sloppy and think you're going to get God's best. It doesn't work like that. Some of us, we function in what I call sloppy agape. Messy mercy. God knows my heart. Well, he does. We do too. Jesus' focus here on earth was to please God. And that should be our focus as well. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always want to obey God. Because obeying God sometimes is going to cost you something. There are five types of responses to obedience. Emotional-based obedience. These are sense-driven decisions. They result in short-term satisfaction, but will with negative long-term consequences. That's what happens. Number two, situational-based response. Instead of responding to what we know is right, we react to what's happening to us. Here's number three very quickly. Promise-driven obedience, where we choose to obey God's word because we know there's a blessing that's going to come with it. There's a reward. The next one is the principle-driven response. And this is the response of obedience where we choose to obey God because it's just the right thing to do. This is knowing that it is never wrong to do what's right. But then here's the one that we all need to be at. That is passion-driven obedience. And this is obeying because you love him and your love for him outweighs your personal discomfort. It takes faith to please God. Somebody say amen. Grab your Bibles right there at your seats. I want you to repeat this with me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Thank you that it transforms us from one level to another level. 
I pray that every heart today will be open to receive from the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your position in our lives, which is to convict us, to convert us, to change us. And Lord, I thank you that as we hear the word today, faith is going to come, but also, Lord, our hearts are going to be changed to draw closer to you. And so I thank you for every person here today hearing from your voice in Jesus' precious name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you this morning. So we're in a series entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. Everybody say, Thy Kingdom Come. And the focus of this series has been to provide each one of us with insight regarding the kingdom of God and to teach us some keys to functioning in the kingdom so that our life here on earth can be a reflection of life in heaven. And so today is our last message in the series, but I believe today's message is going to be the best one in the series. When they say you saved the best for last, uh, I believe it's this one. And so if you're taking notes or if you would like to have the notes and you don't have any, raise your hand and our ushers will give you the notes. And if you're watching, you can just click on your screen and get the notes as well. So the message title today is Faith, the Currency of the Kingdom. Faith, the Currency of the Kingdom. And the goal today... It's to show you that faith is the currency that causes the kingdom of God, listen church, to operate and produce results. I'm going to say that again. Everybody say faith. Faith is the currency that causes the kingdom of God to operate and produce results. And I don't know about you, but I'm more interested in results than I am to how I feel. Unfortunately, many believers were so sense-driven That we prefer to feel better than to have better. Say amen to that. So let's just jump right into the message today. If you're taking notes, point number one is this. Faith is kingdom currency. Faith is kingdom currency. And see, the goal of living in the kingdom of God, of course, is to please the king. Last week, our third point was talking about pleasing the king. The whole message was designed around us pleasing God. Well, faith is the currency that allows us to do that. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, this was the last verse we used last week. I'm going to start with it. But it says, but without what, church? Without faith, it is impossible to do what? Please him. And so what I want to do is read that verse backwards. That verse could read, but with faith, it's possible to please him. So faith God has given to us allows us to please God. And then it goes on to say, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, what's interesting is this word pleasing there means to be well pleasing, but it also means to gratify entirely. So that verse is saying without faith, it is impossible to gratify God entirely. Now, you may say, well, God is love. Well, he is love. And since God is love, listen, church, now here's where we're going. The platform of your faith must have love or your faith won't work. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says in the King James Version, For in Jesus Christ, there's neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. But watch what it says. Read it with me. But faith which worketh by what? Faith which works how? Faith which works how? 
by love. And when you look up that word working, it, it, listen, it's the Greek word energio, which is where we get our English word energy from. So what that verse is saying is, but without faith, listen, faith works or is energized by love. Listen to the amplified version of that. It, it verifies it. It says, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith that's activated and energized and expressed and working through love. So we can see that love must be the foundation of our faith for it to work because God is what? He's love. So listen, to, I'm about to look at your neighbor and say he's about to sucker punch you right now. So if your loving is not working, your faith is probably not working. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it backwards. If your loving is not working, chances are your faith is not working. And so many people are frustrated, Christians now. We're frustrated because uh, we're not producing the results that we want to have in our life. We might be tithing. We might be serving. But the problem is if your faith is not working, watch this. Two things are happening. Number one, you're not going to get results because it's the currency of the kingdom. But number two, watch this. You're not pleasing God because that's the only way to do that. Now, Second Thessalonians, we're about to read that, but I want to show you something. Because there is a correlation between us loving and our faith working. It says here in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or proper, because that your faith grows how, church? Exceeding. He said, listen, the Thessalonian church, your faith is growing exceedingly. But then I want you to see the connection. What's the next word in that verse? And, everybody say and. And is a conjunction. So he's saying, in addition to your faith growing exceedingly, he says, it's because the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other is abounding. He's saying, listen, because your love is increasing, it's causing your faith to increase. Now, there are two things that I want you to see and understand before we move forward about that verse. Number one, I want you to take note that faith can grow. Everybody say faith can grow. Now, our faith was never given to us for it to stay at the same level. Listen, anything we don't grow, anything we don't cultivate, anything that we don't properly manage is viewed, listen church, as poor stewardship in the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Anything that we don't grow cultivate or properly manage is viewed as poor stewardship in the kingdom and if your faith has not grown from the time God gave it to you to now you are a poor steward of your faith because faith is a gift from God listen and he expects us to use it he expects us to grow it and he expects us to share it say amen to that so here's what I'm getting ready to do I'm getting ready to read a story found in Matthew chapter 25 now, this story is about the lady with the issue of blood. But I'm going to show you something about the story that you probably haven't seen before. Because I want you to see that faith is the connection point. Watch this. Uh, faith has power. Everybody say faith has power. Faith has power. So, we're going to read the New Living Translation. It says, then the... Uh, 
that was the one I just described is my second story. But this one right here talks about the stewardship of when God gives you something. Because I want you to focus on if you're not utilizing your faith the way God wants you to, not only are you a poor steward, but you're not going to get the results that you want. Well, let's see how God views that. It said, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. You harvested crops you didn't plant and you gathered crops you didn't cultivate. And he says, and I was afraid and so uh, that I would lose your money. So I hid my faith. I'm going to use that right there. I hid it in the earth. And then he says, look here, here's your money back. Okay, God, I know you gave me faith here. He said, no, no, no. Watch verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and get, gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? I want you to notice that when God gives you something, he's expecting it back from you. Listen, in a multiplied state, not just in the state he gave it back to you. So verse 27, he says, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? He says, at least I could have gotten some interest off of it. And then watch what happened. He ordered them and he says, take the money. From this servant and give it to the one, watch this, who used what I gave them. This is why you see people who they're using their faith and you see their life going to new levels and yours. Listen, you go to the same church, you sit on the same road, you're hearing the same word, you got the same pastor, but you're not getting the same results because somebody's using their faith and somebody's not. And most Christians, listen, church, this is a harsh reality. Most Christians are not pleasing the father with their faith because it's in the same condition that he gave it to them. Here's the second thing I want you to see, and then we're going to move to point number two, which is the main point of today's message. The second thing I want you to notice is the correlation between the Thessalonians faith growing and their love increasing. Remember, it said that their faith grows exceedingly as the love of each one of them abounded. And here's the problem. Most people feel like having to love difficult others puts them in an inferior or negative position so they don't choose to love not realizing that it's neutralizing and causing their faith to not work i'm gonna say that again see most people here's why we don't love difficult people not realizing that love is the energy that makes your faith work so most people choose or they feel like having to love somebody that's difficult puts them in an inferior position, a negative position, or being used position. And so they choose not to love, not realizing that not loving is what neutralizes their faith and causes their faith not to work. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this chapter, of course, is talking about love. And so it describes love. Uh, between faith, hope, and love, it says this, and now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but watch what it says now. The greatest of these is what? The greatest is love. Now, just because love is greater doesn't mean that it functions alone without the need of anything else. I'm going to say that again. Just because love is greater doesn't mean that it can function without the need of anything else. Just like sugar, just because it's the main ingredient in cake doesn't mean you don't need flour. Are you all with me so far? And this is the perspective I believe a lot of times from misinformed Christians or the world. Because they, the world says this, if God is such a loving God, why does he allow people to go to hell? 
Well, not only is that a good question, but it's going to help me state the case regarding faith being a currency to the kingdom. Because, see, just because God loves doesn't mean he's going to make decisions for you. See, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about now how faith is involved in even salvation. It says, for by grace are you saved. By grace are you saved. But it's what says, but he says it's through faith. You can't even get saved without faith. I don't care how much God loves you. You still have to respond to that love by faith. And so it says, by grace are we saved through faith. And watch what he says. And that's not even of yourselves. He said, listen, there's some faith that you need to get saved. And by the way, when you use that faith to get saved, it's not even your faith. It was a gift that God has given you. And then he says, it's not even of works, lest you should even boast about it. So although God is love, and he's a God of love, the only way to please him is with faith. Say amen to that. So how does faith work in the kingdom of God? I'm so glad you asked me that question. Because that question takes us to the next point, which is faith releases power. Now see, this right here, if you can get what I'm saying right here, your life can go to a whole nother level between now and us, uh, uh, and us finishing the service. You can literally leave out of here a different person than what you came. See, I think one of the things that attract people to me is because I have receipts. I ain't talking about no Gucci receipts either. See, we have to remember what people see is what they judge from. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. But see, one of the manifestations that you have receipts is called the fruit of the spirit. Amen. So faith releases power. Everybody say faith releases power. Look at Matthew chapter nine, chapter nine. Now this right here, this is my main section we won't deal with right here. If you get this, I believe your life will move up. I, I, I sense God trying to push you up to a new level. It says, and Jesus arose and followed him. So, uh, and so did his disciples. Watch verse 20. Now, we're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. He says, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood. How many years, church? See, I don't care how long you've been going through what you're going through. You can come in here going through it and leave out delivered. It says she came behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. Verse 21. For she said within herself, listen to her internal confession. If I may just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Watch verse 22. But Jesus turned about and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Read this with me, church. Thy faith has made thee whole. Read it again. Thy faith has made you whole. One more time. Thy faith has made you whole. Or it could say this. You are whole because of your faith. Now I'm going to show you because the point is faith releases power. I'm going to show you that this woman's faith when she touched Jesus had power. Now what we're going to do is look at the same story. But this time we're going to look at this story in the book of Mark. You have to remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the same stories viewed through the eyes of different people. It's just like if you were downtown and there was an accident. And you were right there in front where the accident happened. And somebody was in the back and somebody was on the other side. Everybody's going to have a different perspective of what, what happened in the accident. Well Mark's perspective on this story is a little different. But I want you to see because he's going to give us some insight into Faith releasing power. It says, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So we're talking about the same person. Can I say amen? amen? 
Verse 26 says, and she had suffered many things of many positions and has spent all that she had and nothing better, but she grew worse. See, Matthew didn't say all that. Look in verse 27. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Watch verse 30. Let's read it together. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. Notice now when she touched him, this story tells us when she touched him, Jesus felt something leave his body. The Bible called it virtue. Everybody say virtue. And so he goes and he says, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see all these people walking around thronging you, Jesus, and you asking us who touched you? And he looked around and he saw her. Uh, and then verse 33 says, but the woman fearing, she trembling, knowing what was done in her, she came and fell down before him. She told him the whole truth, but watched verse 34. It says, and he said to her, read it with me again, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now I want you to pay attention to something. Notice when she touched Jesus, the Bible tells us that virtue left his body. Now when you look up that word virtue in the Greek, it's the Greek word dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. And this word dunamis means a force of power, strength, and miracles. Everybody say a force of power, strength, and miracles. In other words, when she touched Jesus, a force of power, strength, and miracles was released. Now, here's what's interesting about this word dunamis. It actually appears in the New Testament 119 times. But here's what's really interesting. It's only translated as the word virtue twice. Meaning, all the other 117 is either translated mostly power, in some cases miracles. So really, Mark chapter 9, because I, I want you to get this. Mark chapter 9 could have read like d differently, but here's what we're going to do. I want to give you three verses to show you that word virtue is really actually the English word power as well. Mark chapter 9, look in verse 1, it says, And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of you who are standing here which shall not taste of death, but they shall see the kingdom of God come with what? See that word power? Same word dunamis. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, behold, I give unto you power. Look at your neighbor and say, you got power. He says, behold, I give unto you power. What's interesting is that word power is not the word dunamis. It's a different word called exousia. And it means jurisdiction and authority. So what Jesus is saying here, he says, I give unto you jurisdiction and authority to do what? To tread on serpents, to tread on scorpions, and you have jurisdiction and authority over all the power or dunamis of the devil. So yes, you and I, we have authority and jurisdiction over the devil. It shows that word power uh, over all the enemy, that shows the enemy has power too. Amen. I want you to hear this. We will defeat the devil every single time if we stay in the faith zone. But you will lose to the devil every single time if you function in the flesh zone. 
I'm going to say that again. See, most Christians lose the spiritual battle or fight. You know why? Because we fight. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, the Bible says, but they're mighty through God to pull down strongholds. So if you try to fight the devil in the flesh, he is going to beat you. You know why? Because you are on his turf. The only way you're going to beat him is you're going to have to stay in the faith zone. And see, the faith zone has you in the heavenly zone because the Bible says we've been seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So listen, I'm not looking up at the devil. I'm not even looking at the devil. I'm looking down on the devil. You know why? Because my position has, he seated me in heavenly places. Listen to, here's one more verse, Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says, but you shall receive power. There's that word dunamis again after the Holy Ghost has come up on you. So here's what I'm trying to say. It would have been a better choice of English words to have used the word power instead of virtue. That's my point. So I'm going to read that verse and put the word power in because we see we can do that. This is Mark 530 and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Listen. Power left Jesus' body because this lady's faith put a demand on it. Did you get that? So watch this now. Watch this. Everybody say faith releases power. I have something in my pocket. What does this look like? What is it? This is a flashlight. What's the purpose of a flashlight? It's to provide light. You know, if the lights are out, if it's dark, you know, it's the Bible just like the Bible. It's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path, Right? Amen. And so the, a flashlight is good, especially when we need it. But in order for this flashlight to have power, listen, church, it must have some batteries. What's in here? What is this church? It's a battery. I'm going to say that again. In order for this flashlight to have power, it must have what? Now, I want you to pay attention to what I said. Because I'm going to come back to that. The batteries, church, represent our faith. Everybody say it represents my faith. It represents our faith. However, when we were born again, listen, we were born with our batteries. That's why Romans chapter 12 Verse 3 says, for I say through the grace given to you, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than than he ought to think, but he needs to think soberly. Watch this church. Read it with me. According as God God has dealt to who? Every man the what? Measure of faith. Now, he's not talking about every man. He's talking about every Christian man. Because if you listen or read Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So he was talking to Christian people. And he's saying, when you became born again, God put inside of you the measure of faith. Listen to the NIV version of that verse. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. And here's the problem. Look at your neighbor and say, Houston, we have a problem. Here's the problem why most people do not function properly in the kingdom of God. It's because they have faith. They have faith batteries. But remember what I said earlier. I said in order for this flashlight to have power, it must have what? It must have batteries. But I want you to notice what I didn't say. I didn't say batteries would make it work. (laughs) 
No, because this flashlight, it has batteries in it right now. My question to you is, is the flashlight on? No, you know why? The flashlight is not on because works must flip the switch. Until I decide to push the button. Until I put some action behind what I say I believe. Until I move, make some movement or go in a direction and do something, this flashlight is not going to work. Does it have batteries? Yes. Now, this will help you understand James chapter 2, verse 14. He says, what is the profit, my brother? Though a man say he has faith and has not worked, can faith save him? If a brother or sister comes to you and they are naked and they need some food and you say to them, hey, go home in peace, be happy, be filled, and you didn't give them what they needed, watch verse 17. Even so, he says, what profit is it? Even so, faith, if it doesn't have works, it is what, church? Dead, being alone. Yes, a man may say, I have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Look in verse 20. But will you know? Oh, Christian man, that read it with me, that faith without is what? (laughs) Faith requires words. Faith requires action. Faith requires movement. And if there's no action, if there's no movement, if there's no works, it is evident that you're believing something, but you're not willing to put effort to, to obtain it. And so we're walking around, Christians walking around with faith batteries. But they're not pushing the button with works to make it work. Now, here's what's really bad here. Here's what's really bad. Some of us, our faith batteries are low or dead. Because he said faith without works is what? Okay, so that means now some of our faith is dead. So that's just like me. If these batteries were no good in here. Let me try, let me switch some out. Let me see some. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, put that one in there and put this one in here. All right, let's let's see if this battery, these batteries have any power connected to it. Mm-hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have dead faith? How does dead faith happen? It happens when we utilize our faith, but we don't keep our faith charged. Which now brings us to point number three, and we're going to close right here. Point number three is faith must be used in order for it to grow. See, church, listen. We have to get to a point where we view obedience differently. We have to view it differently. See, anytime we do something God wants us to do, anytime we do that, We're exercising our faith muscles because remember the goal is to please him. But sometimes God's going to ask us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone and it definitely interferes with our flesh zone. But us doing it not only causes us to obey God, but because we're doing something he's asked us to do, now we're exercising our faith and that pleases God. So it's not just me obeying God, it's me pleasing God. And if your faith is not growing, I have bad news for you. It's dying. Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing how? 
here's a sober reality. Here's a take-home statement. Faith comes by hearing, but it grows by using it. See, some of y'all are some big old... Uh, y'all remember the Kool-Aid man? Hey, Kool-Aid, right? That's how some of y'all are spiritually. You done heard the word. You done heard, 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 heard. But you ain't doing nothing with it. So watch this. All you have is a whole lot of dead weight, dead faith. Your faith needs a diet. So there are six levels of faith. I'm going to go through these quickly because here's some of our problems. This is... A battery recharger. If you get smart, you say, I don't want to buy no more new batteries. You just buy a set of batteries and then you just buy a charger. You put the charger in the wall. And as long as the charger is in the wall, it will regenerate the batteries, right? Well, that's why it says faith comes by how? By hearing. And so what happens is as we hear the word, our batteries are being charged. The problem is until you take the batteries off the charger, put them back in the flashlight and push the button, your faith still ain't going to work for you. Are you all with me? So there are six levels of faith. I'm going to go through these real fast. You got no faith. That's Mark chapter 4, verse 40. Jesus said to them, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Everybody say no faith. Then you have weak faith. That's in Romans chapter 4, verse 19. It says about Abraham, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. But when he was a 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And listen, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. I want you to notice at the top, it said, be not weak in faith. So you can have weak faith. Here's the third one. It's strong faith. Well, Romans four nineteen says the same thing. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Then you have little faith. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 27. Jesus talked about it uh, at the end of the verse he says oh ye of little faith then you have great faith that's in Matthew chapter 8 verse 10 when Jesus heard it he's marveled and he said verily I say unto you I have not found so great faith in Israel and then we read earlier about exceeding faith that's in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 and here's the thing I believe that people can function in various levels of faith but but most people are not intentional with their faith When was the last time your faith was ever tested other than for you to just be in the flesh? You know, when you want to slap somebody, your faith is being tested. It's being tested. But but when has your faith been tested outside of your flesh? Why haven't your faith been tested to do something bigger than what you're doing? Why isn't your your faith being tested when God is asking you to do an assignment that's bigger than you, bigger than you, bigger than your resources, bigger than your money, bigger than your connections, bigger than all of that? See, what he's trying to do is grow your faith, but it won't grow until I use it. Listen, faith is like a muscle. You don't get more of it. It just grows. And a lot of us are like me physically. We got muscles, but they ain't big. I might, I might be able to do five girl push-ups, but I'm not even going to try to embarrass myself and see how I can do that. So how do we, here's what I want you to do because the Bible says God will give you the desires of your heart, but you can look at that verse in two ways. It means he can give you what you want, but a lot of times he wants to give us what he wants for us. But when he gives you a desire, 
and he puts it in you. It's going to take faith to operate to make that desire happen. And many of us, God is sitting there going, I'm trying to take them to new levels, but they just won't exercise their faith because the the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You just took one step and you think you did it. Okay, God, I took a step. I filled out my paperwork for the LLC. And well, Lord, uh, uh, I, I, I'm believing to get married. And so, Lord, uh, I stop having sex. Well, praise the Lord. You know, there are other things you can do, which I'm preluding into next week, that you can do as a single to better yourself. Hello. If you don't like you, why should Junior like you? Oh, okay, okay. Your faith is designed to do big things. But big things can't happen if I'm viewing the things through the eyes of the flesh versus through the eyes of faith. So here's the first thing we're going to do today is rate your faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to rate your faith. In other words, on a scale of one to ten, how has your faith grown over the last eight months? Is it still stagnant? Number two. Ask, what can you do right now in your life that will grow your faith? Some of y'all, you ain't got to go far. You ain't got to go far. You just start tithing right there. That's right there. You can just start with that. Because let me tell you something. Why would God trust you with big blessings and he can't trust you to return his dime back out of that dollar? Oh, you really? Let me ask you something. How many would hire? Let's let's say you had a multi-million dollar business. Would you hire a known thief? Raise your hand. Raise your, if you would hire a known thief, raise your hand. Nobody in here. Well, why would God bless a thief with increase? Oh, I'm in your lap today. And like I said, I don't need, we don't need your money for the lights. Cause they already on. See, uh, uh, I'm gonna end right here. See, some of y'all have stopped having faith for your marriage. You have given in to the flesh and the devil. And this is how you know you've done that. When your mind refuses to accept the promises of what God has said about marriage. Listen, listen, listen. 2 things. When a person is married, God said, I only granted divorce because people's heart got bad. So, or got hard. So, number one, you, your heart is getting hard. But here's why your heart gets hard. Because you believe a lie. That's the only reason your heart got hard. You just believe the lie. She don't care no more. He don't love me no more. Well, uh, what happened to, to death do us part? I told first lady, I'm said, first lady, listen, we're going to keep that part of our bow. Somebody dying. <laughs> I'd ask her. I said, somebody dying. We either gonna die of natural causes or somebody's gonna end up on the news cause somebody dying. Somebody's gonna die. Oh yeah. If y'all see first lady come up missing for like three months and be like, what, what, what first lady at? I told her, I said, listen, you start acting up, I'm gonna kidnap you. 
going to put you in a dungeon somewhere, some handcuffs. I'm going to feed you three meals a day till your mind get right. <laughs> Find something to target your faith and pursue it. Find something. Find something to target your faith and pursue it. It needs to be bigger than you. And it needs to have a kingdom cause. Because without a kingdom cause, it's all about you. Did y'all get something today? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. Church, all I can hear is surrender. Surrender. It's hard to surrender if you don't trust. The only way God's going to take you to new levels, you have to trust Him to do that. And if you trust Him to do that, you will surrender. There are some people that need to surrender today. You need to surrender to his will for your life. Surrender to his word. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. I know you don't understand. And some of you, the devil is talking to you while I'm talking to you right now. And you need to tell him to shut up because he's trying to get you to make decisions in your life that you can't calculate what's going to cost you. And when he knows that when you make a decision outside of the will of God, when you make that, when you write that check, it's going to spiritually bounce on you. But he don't want you to know that. Father, I thank you today that the word has fallen on good soil. And there's a whole lot you want to do in this place, in our lives, in this church, in our city, in our families, in our homes, in our businesses. There's a whole lot you want to do. And I want to surrender from the top and say, God, whatever you want and whatever you want me to do, I will do. I want you to say this with me. Say, Lord, I surrender to you. I re-surrender to you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I thank you today that the word is falling on good ground. In Jesus' name. Whatever he is still bowed. Here's my question. If you die.